Ahoy, and welcome to the Open Journal Blogcast. Here we're going to be talking about mental health and all things related. That includes illness, wellness, stigma and support, and most importantly some of your very own personal stories. We're going to be covering projects, campaigns, education, starting conversations, and looking at some of the tools that support our well-being as well. I'm Mike, and while I'm being mindfully mindless, hopefully myself and my amazing guests will be able to show you you're not alone out there. These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. So I told everything and her face dropped. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so Mm. they can't appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds, and the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. And I think people realize how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. Not only did this help me to write it, mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, And then they want to talk about it. Hello and welcome to the podcast and to episode 225. I hope you're good. I hope you're well. Hope things are good for you this week. It just, it feels really busy. Uh, Yeah, it feels really, really busy at the moment. Um... If you're a sports fan, we've got the uh, we've got the Euros on, we've got Wimbledon on, probably some other stuff happening as well. Um, it just it just feels very very busy at the moment. So I hope you're well. Hope you're making some time for yourself with whatever you're doing. Um, this week I'm delighted to be joined by another new guest. Uh, Max is with us today. Um, we actually recorded this episode during. Um, the England versus Germany game um, so we we both had to pause our viewing of the football um, to record this a big thank you to Max um, for, for sitting down and having this conversation um, it was really interesting to talk about some of Max's experiences and also the work he's doing with the film project Herd which we, we're going to talk about um, but yeah just really really interesting from a personal point of view um, where we're going to talk through experience of kind of young people or children uh, where they are in a situation where the, the parents uh, divorce or there's a breakup of that relationship and kind of the impact and the ramifications and the thought processes and the environment that that young person can be in. So a really interesting discussion. Um, I really hope that you enjoy listening uh, to our conversation and to Max's insight as well. Uh, and obviously, as always, there's going to be some links to to find out a little bit more about Max and the work that he's doing as well. If you are interested in being a guest on a future podcast episode, you can find information on the website, which is openjournalbc.com. I will say uh, we're going to have one more episode after this and then there's going to be a break until September. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in next week's episode. Um, as we kind of wrap up before a bit of a break. So I, I really hope you enjoy this kind of last discussion, I guess, before we have a break. 
Um, again, a huge thank you to Max for coming on, for sharing his insights and personal experiences as well. I hope you enjoy this episode. Here's our conversation. Welcome, Max. It's really nice to sit down and uh, have a chance to have a have a conversation. How's your How's your week been? Um, it's been good. I mean, English summer being what English summer is, um, you know, you could always, it could, I, I, you could always hope for a bit more sunshine. But um, you know, I've kind of very much gotten in the in the habit of, and this is quite a recent thing. Really. I mean, it's. It's an on-off recent thing that I'm trying to get better at, which is I do two things, really. I do one thing in the morning, which is morning pages, where it's kind of more of a free flow, write everything that's kind of in my head and get it out and get it onto the page. And that tends to turn, a lot of the times what I find is it tends to turn into a bit of a, almost like a pep talk for myself to kind of set myself up for the day, you know, kind of like, you know, make sure that you're positive and and uh, I want to be positive and I will be positive and I be proactive and those kind of things. Um, and then what I do in the evening, just before I go to bed is I'll do, uh, I'll do like a gratitude journal. So I'll write down like five things that I've been grateful for today. And so actually, even with this, what has to be said, horrible weather that we are having at the moment, I feel like, you know, it, it, it's, it's such a weird British thing where you are, where you can find yourself so, um, so strongly influenced by the weather. Um, so I'm trying to not to do that and trying to think of all the other positives that have happened during my days that I'm grateful for. So in that regard, I've actually had a really good week so far. Oh, that's, that's good. I, I think it's, it is interesting, isn't it? Like how much... I was thinking that as you were talking through how much like the weather can play on our mood and our mind and I think I'm probably fooled into thinking it's like that for everyone but you're right I think it is a particularly British thing to have that as quite a heavy conversation piece as well doesn't it so maybe so... that in part like just puts it's automatically where your mind goes to um, it's... and there's also this weird sorry there's also this weird and this, this, I feel like, so when you have a conversation with British people uh, or, you know, as Brits, whatever you, however you want to describe it, it's, it's either going to, it's, it's always either going to be about the weather at some point. But what I find the weirdest is this thing that we tend to do where somebody asks, oh, so how are you doing? And you go, yeah, not bad. Well, I'm all right. And you're like, what? That's just a bit like like so are you so what you're okay or it could be worse or what are you exactly saying there um so yeah sorry just the it's weird how how we kind of self-deprecate in a way um or like things could be yeah like could be worse uh, what do you think could be worse? Like, is it like, do I then have, should I ask a follow-up question? Because do I need to make, like, do I need to make sure that, you know, you are actually okay? And there's, you know, or is that just a, is that just like a flipping thing we do that we've kind of learned where, where, whereas I feel like, especially for example, with like Italians, they're so, 
I mean, this is awful stereotyping probably, but I always feel like with Italians, there's always so much kind of more enthusiasm and positivity when you ask them something, mm. you know, and it's this kind of, uh, um, this rushing forth of like, you know, they want to tell you about everything and, and English people are like, yeah, not too bad. You know, uh, okay, that's, that's, I don't know, it's weird, it's weird. We, um, uh, my, my partner showed me this video the other day and she'd found a, I think it was a Bill Bailey sketch and he was talking about this, like, oh, we say it's not too bad and like, um, what did he use? Like, oh, it could be worse, could be like, I could be set on fire (laughs) and it's so funny because like now I realise like I'm, I say that all the time when people ask like, how's your day been? It's like, nah, not too bad. And it's yeah, like, like, it's so not positive, isn't it? It's just very... But this, so this, but this is the thing. I wonder if that is to do with the weather. Are we in England or in Britain a bit more, um, I don't want to say negative or pessimistic, but, you know, to a degree, because we live in a country where the weather a lot of the time is quite frankly rubbish. Whereas if you live in, you know, Italy or, or, or Spain or the south of France, you know, where it's, you know, lovely weather and sun shining and it's warm, and you do tend to think that those people are more positive and they are happier. So I don't know. I I, I feel like weather, yeah, as you said, weather does probably play a huge part really in in how it, we feel and how it affects our mood. Yeah, it's quite possible. I mean, my my dad moved across to Spain. Uh, would it be a year? I, I think it was about sort of four or five months before kind of pandemic started. Oh, yeah. So they had like a couple of months where um, maybe it was six months because I think we'd got to the stage where we were just about to kind of book going out to see them. So they must have gone oh. out maybe sort of uh, like end of, no, that'd be end of summer, autumn time, I guess. Mm-hmm. Was that 2019? 2019. Yeah, Oof. and um, I don't, I don't know if I would say he sounds more positive. He definitely sounds less miserable. <laughs> so I think, I think, it, yeah, exactly. It's possible. You just need to be there for sort of a year and a half, and gradually that sunlight will start out. <laughs> but I think that is probably the direct effect of you know, vitamin D and serotonin and all of those things that you're getting from the sun. I mean, and that's probably why, uh, you know, that's why Scandinavian countries especially suffer with such bad rates of, of depression and alcoholism and suicide because, you know, if it's if it's dark six months, I mean, it's not dark six months of the year, but, you know, you know, it's, it's kind of... Um, so I, I went to Finland, uh, ooh, 28, yeah, December 2018. So in the midst of winter and we were in the Arctic Circle and it's dark for 21 hours a day and the other three hours is this murky kind of twilight. And you, you know, you think, you know, you get there and you think, ah, it's fine. It won't, you know, it won't affect me that much. It can't have that big an effect. It really does. Like it really, you kind of day day two, you kind of start feeling a little bit strange. By day three, you just feel like a like a complete 
zombie almost it does it it does really zonk you it, it's it's crazy how big an effect it has on you that the, the lack of sunlight has on you um you know because you, you'll sit down and um you know you'll get back into the into the into the house and you'll think oh okay it's you know it's dark outside and you think oh okay well that was a really nice long day and then you look at the clock and it's 2 30 in the afternoon mm. and it's completely pitch black outside and it's yeah it's strange um it definitely i i think the more sun i get the happier i tend to be i i think it's it's noticing that impact isn't it because i i don't think i would have always gone oh because of it being lighter or darker or there being more sunlight that i feel a different way but i think you can reflect on if it even if it doesn't have that immediate impact i think it makes you more susceptible because I think there's times like today, today's been pretty miserable. Um, but I've, I went out for a walk at lunchtime. We're having a nice chat now. Um, like there's stuff in the day that kind of makes it a, a, an OK to good day. But I think yeah. you're you're definitely more susceptible to like one or two bad things happen. And then quicker, you're kind of in a darker place because there's less visible kind of brightness around you maybe so I think yeah. there's definitely something there like I say even if it's not an immediate thing I think that secondary the support I guess you get from from that yeah. and I know there's like you say the vitamin I don't know the science side but there's definitely a science I side. Mean, there's definitely a science <laughs> side I, you know I wouldn't go here and be like oh well you know it's because you have uh, x percent of da 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 and this yeah. and that and but as you said it's those you know, and, and I think that, again, is why I find doing a gratitude journal so helpful and so good, because you'll have, as you said, you'll have like one, two, or maybe three things during the day that are negative and that kind of can really drag your whole day down and your whole mood down. But then in the evening when I sit down and I write the gratitude journal and I, you know, and I actually think about it and I think, well, actually, hang on, you know, there's... These, there was these five other things during the day that were actually brilliant and lovely and and so and actually made the day so nice and I I do think unfortunately that we do tend to let our negativity trump our positivity far too quickly um, and in far too easy a way um, so I do highly recommend I always recommend to everybody I'm you know I tell them oh you know I do a gratitude journal you know is the best thing that I can do especially before you go to sleep um just because it makes sure that you go to sleep in a you know with positive thoughts in your head and, and in a positive feeling and emotion um that's my pitch for 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 doing a gratitude journal I always like hearing about kind of the different tools that people have as well though because it's really interesting and there are different ways that some are used as well because I remember speaking to someone I think it was a couple of years ago now and they were talking about the support that is sometimes put in place for children and how important that is and then it drops off when we're adults and they were talking about the like at the end of the day having I think it was stars and wishes so they said like the focus is on the positive so the stars are like what are the your three star things what are your three good things that have happened or that you've done today and then the wishes were trying to reframe the negative things, but you could never oh, put down, okay. you can't put down more wishes than stars. I think they had to, they always had to be less. I don't know if there was a, like a ratio, 
but it was trying to reframe so if i don't know like you've written a really rubbish email one of your wishes might be in the future to be better at that or to do that better or something Mm -hmm. like that so it's trying to reframe it and it was really interesting that um when they were talking about it it was it was more to do with kind of younger people and children i was like i don't understand why that's not just like equally applicable to adults as it's just kind of reframing some of those things and there probably are now because i know there's lots of different versions of journals and and kind of recording things so that probably does exist now but at the time i just remember thinking oh like why is that why is that a children's thing? That sounds like you. I want to use that. Yeah. Um, it just sounds like a really nice way of, like you say, highlighting what's going on and just reframing it at the end of the day in a slightly more positive way. But it's funny that you say that because so one of the things that with the film and with the with, with the story that we're doing. So the, the the story I'm telling in the film, in the short film that I'm doing, is about divorce but told from the perspectives of a, of a child because so it, it's based on the day that my parents got divorced and that my my mum and my two brothers and I had to move out of the house so that's what the film is based on but really what I wanted to do is I wanted to show divorce from a child's perspective because very rarely if ever at all you know we see that perspective we don't you know we tend to see divorce only ever told from the adult's perspective you know how did they get to that um how is it affecting them what are they going to do to kind of get over it that kind of thing and we don't really you know children are always kind of on the periphery or they're another hurdle to clear you know they're they're in the way so to say to to for the for the adult to get back for the parent to get back to their happiness so for me i wanted to kind of show you know this is what divorce is like for a child and this is the effects that divorce has on a child emotionally and 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 developmentally and and psychologically and all that and one of the points i was making or i want to make with the film is i think we've gotten better at looking after mental health for adults but i actually think that we're not looking after the mental health of children very well um which to me makes no sense because obviously you know you'd you'd want to start early because a well-adjusted emotionally uh balanced child is going to grow up to be an emotionally balanced person whereas obviously you know an emotionally unbalanced child you know etc etc um so it's interesting that that you said that you know you think that we have more tools in place on a child level than we do for adult levels, because I mean I don't know. I mean yeah, maybe I, I guess it's 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 uh, personal experience probably plays a lot. You know, because from my end, when my parents got divorced, you know there was no there was no support network there for my brothers and me in terms of helping us understand and cope and and you know make sense of the whole thing um and yeah that's kind of one of the key messages of the film that i want to say to people hey look we you know number one obviously this is what divorce is like for a child but actually we need to make sure that we get better at mental health emotional health for children because you you know you can't treat 
you can't just treat the outcome. You need to treat the 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 the, the cause. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no. Um, I think it's a really good it's a really good conversation to start because I think it sort of highlights something that I think comes up quite a lot. Although it's in my mind, this is often the journey is kind of attributed as an adult journey of um, there is a often an incident that happens. There is kind of fallout from that. Um, we don't support that person. We, I personally feel that we are still probably fairly generally discourage people from coming forward and seeking support. Yeah. We leave them to crisis yeah. and then they're in crisis and then it's recovering that. And I think yeah. a really important thing that you pick up on is actually that kind of moment of, of um, struggle or incident could be as a child there are particular maybe lessons learned or, or core values set uh, and yeah. then we're not seeing some of those outcomes until they're an adult and it's it's not as instant or not as easy to see the line of um, yeah. maybe like a bereavement happens to you as an adult and then something else happens. Yeah. If this has happened as a child and we're talking about 20, 30, 40 years later, it can be really hard to untangle what's happened and, yeah. and how how you found yourself where you are yeah and I mean the, the so you know the my film's not about this but I think that is especially especially applicable once you start talking about addiction issues because I do think that any addiction is rooted in emotional trauma in trying to escape something in trying to escape you know in trying to to forget or trying to fill a hole or whatever it is and you know a lot of those things will are normally um i mean i don't i don't want to speak in generalization terms because you know you never you know every every case is is individual and is different but you know a lot i think a lot of addiction issues you know are the the the, the root cause is is planted in in childhood and and what happened to you as a child and then trying to deal with that trauma and not being able to not having the tools or the support to deal with that trauma in an effective way um yeah and i i do think that we do need to get better at that in and i think you know we're getting better as i said you know i think, we, I think we're getting better at it um we're with adults but i do think we need to that needs to come down we need to push that down we need to i think it should be something that that's taught in schools um you know that that children learn how to deal with their emotions and and with their mental health and what they can do and practical steps and this is i think the important thing is is that you know and this is why i was talking about doing morning pages or doing a gratitude journal because it's practical steps that get you out of your head and that's where I find writing for me is is kind of my huge outlet be it in journals or, or morning pages or scripts or stories or whatever it is for me writing is that because once you get it out of your head once you get it on the page it suddenly you can deal with it you've got it in front of you um, there's a great obviously there's a great German term there's a great German term for everything I feel but it's called Kopfkino which literally translated means head cinema where you where you basically you play scenarios over in your head and you know you kind of get stuck in that loop of imagining what's and ifs and buts and blah 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 and 
you know, you can drive yourself crazy like that because, you know, you can't get out of that loop. But once you get it out onto the page, for me especially, for me, for example, I can get out of that mindset and I can I can attack it and deal with it in a much more um, constructive manner, um, you know, rather than sitting there and, oh, my God, mulling it over and mulling it over and mulling it over in my head. Um, so I think that's the kind of tools that we need to teach children at a very young age um, to, to help them cope with that kind of thing. I think it's also, um, and particularly the kind of the way you've described that is really good as well, that I think sometimes it's almost there's kind of one side of saying this is this is to the benefit of managing some of those symptoms or illnesses that might be at play but it's also something that anyone and everyone really could and probably should be doing like regardless of whether you're affected by certain struggles actually kind of having those reflections on how has my day been how has my week been like how did I manage that that was really good but those kind of reflections I think are really important and um, I think we probably almost touched on it at the beginning where it's uh, it's hard isn't it because I'm very aware of like a lot of the people that I speak to are going to be British and so that forms part of your your narrative but I think we often focus in on that idea of like let's not kind of talk about or acknowledge the negatives they're a weakness and mm. we're going to kind of hide away from that whereas yeah, that's upper lip kind of yeah. yeah like even if you want to think of those things as weaknesses okay well the best way to get rid of those weaknesses is going to be to speak about them to educate yourself find other tools to manage those and improve your whatever you want to call it it's often termed I think resilience around that but mm. I, it's, 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 I agree I think a lot of it is to do with education um, yeah. at the moment it feels like yes at a young age is really important but I also think there's that side that we've now we've got adults that haven't been taught that as a young yeah. person. And so you're left, as we said earlier, with the crisis side. If you don't deal with it, it becomes crisis. Well, yeah. we've had children that haven't been educated. They're now adults. So now you kind of need to educate everyone. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. It is a challenge. And, and this, is the thi- this is the thing, isn't it? Is, is that if you're and you were saying it because if you if you if you look at it from a well, it's a weakness. You know, and, and obviously we're not saying, oh, if you're having emotional difficulties or struggling emotionally or mentally, that's not a weakness. But it, or at least not in a negative sense. We're not seeing it in a negative sense. But yes, technically it is a weakness because it is causing you suffering or pain or, or, or any, you know, any litany of, of items. But as we all know, if you're bad at something and you make a concerted effort to try and get better at it, you will get better at it. And this is exactly what I think we need to do, is we need to, dealing with your emotional and your mental health is something that you can get better at. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand or or shy away from where they think, well, you know, I feel like this and this is just the way I am and it's always gonna be like this. Well, it's not because if you work at it, you will get better at it um, and and you know but we have to give people the tools to be able to do that um, and I think that's really important it's 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 giving people the tools and the possibility and and I think also if we you know if you and I learn it 
for ourselves, then that also helps us understand other people, you know, and, it, and I think it will, because I think one of the, one of the key problems um, that, you know, that I, one of the key problems that we face as a society, as ridiculous <laughs> as that sounds, is, is kind of, it's this lack of empathy that we all have. Um, and, and which is, which is awful because I think as soon as you can put yourself in another person's shoes, you know, this whole new world opens up. Um, and, and I think that is something that can, again, that would, that's something that those tools would teach you, you know, it would teach people to be more empathetic, more understanding. Um, and then ergo that then leads to world peace. <laughs> <laughs> we can be hopeful we can be hopeful um, yeah I think so so yeah I mean in there you you mentioned a couple of times obviously the film project it'd be interesting to hear um kind of first off I guess what's kind of led to this like how how have you got here you've touched on it already with some of your own lived experience but what's the journey been like to get to where we are today um oh god that's a long journey um so I um so I went to film school um, so I'm I'm a director and I'm a writer by trade, uh, or at least I'm I'm desperately trying to be. Um, <laughs> no, I am I am. You've got to declare yourself. This is another thing you can't can't you can't put yourself down. You've got to if you want to be something or you want to achieve something, you've got to kind of put it out there. Again, it's the same thing. Get it out of your head, put it out there, and be it. Um, and so you know, as a as a kind of uh, um, emerging filmmaker whatever however you want to call it um you know for me it's i need to create work because obviously to get to the next level of my career um you know i need to create something and then I need to create more and it's basically you know you create something that then gets to the next level um and for me it was very much kind of okay well i need to create something that gets me to that next level in my career um and I think, and this is true for all art, the more personal it is to you, the more emotionally you are invested, the more um, the more it means to you, the better, hopefully, it will be. Um, so that's why I chose the subject which I did choose, which is, you know, which deals with divorce and especially the day of um, of divorce and and how a child experiences that because you know because that's something that happened to me when I was uh, four and you know I'm now 32 so it's it's taken me a long time to get to the point where I feel I can add something to come to the conversation where I feel like I've I've uh, uh, um, oh god what's the word uh I've worked it out in my head, so to say. I've kind of, I've managed to, 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 yeah, to work through it, um, you know. And and if I did, if I didn't feel like I had anything to say on the matter, then I probably wouldn't make the film. Um, but because I do, I hope I've got something to say on the matter, and because it is an intensely, very, very intensely personal project to me, that's why I want to tell it. And I hope, uh, you know, that it will it will shine a light on what experience is like, what that experience is like for a child. Um, and, and again, you know, make people understand and, and you know, create empathy and, and, and yeah, understanding for, for children of divorce. 
I think it's such an important topic. Uh, quite openly, I'm going to be biased here because uh, my parents were divorced. I think I think I was about seven when they divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a really important discussion to have. But I also think it's one of those where I don't know about you, but I feel like oh, when I was younger, it felt weird. Like divorce was a weird thing, whereas now I feel like kind of mixed families that are, are with different parents are more common. Mm-hmm. Um, so I yeah, think it's, really I mean, it's going to be affecting. Yeah, it's going to be affecting more people now. And I don't think yeah. as a child, I could be wrong. I don't think as a child you think, oh, there are more of these families because you're absorbed within what's happening within yours. Um, but I do think, yeah, it's not it's not. I could be wrong. It's not as rare as it was when we were younger. Actually, it's a much more common thing now that people are yeah. in. Um, uh, I, yeah, I can't remember. There's a, there is a term for they blended blended families. Blended I think patchwork families. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah, it's a really important topic because there will be more and more people now that are growing up with families that are not kind of the traditional family that we were shown when we were younger. Yeah. Um, and I know that you're also kind of looking at those, the impact of that as well that it can have on that young person, um, yeah. because we all hope that you know mm-hmm. there is there is minimal impact, but the reality is, it's it can be such a core change to something that is a very stabilising thing within that young person's life. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the this way is the that thing, isn't it? I mean, this the thing, isn't it? Is is that it kind of when we grow up the family our family is supposed to be this bedrock upon which we build our life and we kind of build our identity and Mm. and you know as a child it's so so important to have that stability and 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 then when it's suddenly when that is taken away from you especially at a young age it causes such a fundamental shift in your whole life in your whole being and it causes such kind of confusion and conflicting feelings of, you know, I mean, especially, for example, you know, if you're if you're moving away. So if you're moving away from where you grew up, for example, um, you know, I know that my brothers and I, we didn't know what was going on. And, and there was definitely a sense of are we to blame for this? Is this because of us? Um, you know, and then and then growing up and and. You know, and now I have a very good relationship with both. I mean, you know, with both of my parents, so I'm very, very lucky for that. But for a long time, especially with my dad, I had a, you know, a very fractious relationship because I do feel, you know, maybe as a child, you're trying to figure out what's going on and why it's going on. And so it can happen that you, you know, that children start blaming parents. Uh, for for what's going on and you know and I do want to obviously say that in in the film that's you know we are not I am not apportioning blame to anybody about divorce I'm not saying that divorce is wrong because it's you know divorce is complicated and it's messy and it's you know and it does still involve people who are trying to you know figure out what's what's going on with their life and all that but um, I think as a child you know yeah there can be a lot of of blame and 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 guilt and and all of those kind of emotions that then can carry forward into your into your adolescence and in your adult life um you know we worked a lot with um 
family therapists and, and child psychologists and all that kind of thing, just to try and create a very much rounded and realistic experience and portrayal of, of what children of divorce are going through. Um, you know, and, and, and the, the, you know, the long, long list of, of uh, um, symptoms or, or developmental issues and especially school academic issues is, you know, very, very high at the top of issues that, that children of divorce have. Um, you know, where it's acting out at school or, or, you know, and then obviously you've got, you know, what happened for me, for example, you know, so I was brought up by a single mum who had three kids and she had to work. Um, and so it's not, you don't have somebody at home who's then helping you with the homework or making sure you've even done the homework or that kind of thing. So I, you know, I did it awful at school. I acted out, I was lazy. I didn't, you know, and I'm not blaming my mum, obviously, because I mean, Bloody hell, my mum was, you know, I, I'm, my mum is kind of my hero because she managed to bring up three kids by herself. But I know that that for me was, again, I mean, I don't want to apportion blame to anything because at the end of the day, I do, you know, I know that I'm responsible myself for this. But mm. I know that, you know, for example, me being so bad at school is because, well, there was nobody at home that was able to kind of, uh, um, sit me down basically and say hey look we're going to do homework together now and and I've got the time to do homework for you no because you know mum's working and then cooking and, and all the other kind of things that needed to happen um, so yeah I think um, and then you know the other big thing obviously I think that kind of developed from from children of divorce is is issues in later relationships um, you know, it's commitment issues. It's 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 commitment phobia almost of well, you know, am I going to stick this out because you know personal experience tells me it's not going to last, you know, and we're going to get divorced anyway because you know my parents got divorced and two out of three uh, uh, marriages end in divorce nowadays. So you kind of get this very cynical outlook almost, and and you don't, you know, or or maybe you have the exact opposite. Um, you know, and, and you and you cling on to the people, um, and maybe you even become too clingy. I mean, yeah. I think uh, I really like. Thank you first for for sharing that. Um, I think it's really interesting because it's that side of not, like you say, not necessarily seeing what's what's going to happen until a later stage. And I think we can be quite reflective as adults as well on what the situation was for uh, even us as children like oh this is probably mm. what was happening i would think differently now it's like well yes because you're an adult and you've got more lived experience than you had yeah at the time and i think particularly when you're talking about blame i think that's a really a, a deep thing to get into isn't it because i think it's really hard it to so destructive as a child to not feel blame either as a child or to blame a particular parent I think is really really difficult because you don't understand anything something yeah. in your mind something bad has probably happened and it's like well someone must have actioned this like things don't just yeah. happen whereas I think yeah. as an adult you can understand hopefully there's there's kind of more situational stuff happening that for lack of really any better term life happens and and people change relationships change 
and it's that recognition i think we talked about it earlier kind of in regards to something else but it's it's not saying necessarily that one person or more people have to be to blame but it's recognizing this is a situation and there are outcomes of this situation and you're going to feel or act in in different ways um and i really liked the example you gave about like the homework of actually yeah as a child maybe i would feel um like oh i I want some more support why don't i have that support um i remember i remember throwing a a pencil at my mum for not helping me with my homework once (laughs) and then she came (laughs) in and snapped the pencil and tore up my homework (laughs) and i think i think i can't blame her you know because now again as you know now looking back you're like oh my god i cannot i can't begin to understand or fathom what my mum was going through yeah you know and and you're like oh my god I was such a little you know yeah. I was such a little brat and, yeah. oh I just you know I wish I could go back and just be like what are you doing you know to my younger self and but yeah I mean until I was 14 15 my deepest deepest wish was that my parents would get back together mm. you know now I oh my god I recoil at the thought I mean, oh god I couldn't think of anything worse you know it's but it's it's but it's as you said it's having that lived experience and and getting a bit more hopefully mature and and wiser and whatnot and yeah you suddenly start to understand yeah as you said life happens and that's just the way it is and and it's and it's how do you deal with it and hopefully you manage to deal with it in a positive way um but yeah, you know, divorce. We have to. We have to. You know, divorce has kind of almost become a bit of a of a joke subject. Um, you know, there's that there's that scene in in my my guilty pleasure film Bridget Jones, where you know the first time she meets um, is it the first time? I think it's the first time she meets Mark Darcy and they're they the uh, they're at the dinner party and and it's just couples and it's Bridget by herself. And um, and she says, oh, don't, you know, one out of three uh, marriages end in divorce nowadays. And he quirks up and goes, actually, it's two in three. And everybody kind of laughs. And it's supposed to be a joke scene. And, you know, like, well, hang on. You're kind of, you know, yeah, fair enough. If you're, you know, if, if not that you're making fun of the adults in the divorce, you know, but adults are adults and they should be able to look after themselves to a degree. But what are we saying about those people, kids, who are affected by divorce, who are not at fault? You know, they are not the ones divorcing. They're the ones that are being divorced, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, it's the being of it's the being affected as a, with, a non yeah without having any yeah. say in the matter without having any kind of power in the matter and yeah that's that i think again it, it leads back to this whole thing that i was saying about empathy about you know you you have to understand what that's like for a person to have their entire life pulled from under their feet um and you know that's kind of what i'm trying hoping wanting to achieve with this film is to kind of just show people hey look this is what it's like and um you know it's not it's not pretty and no i'm not blaming anybody but you have to understand you know, it's this having is what it's like it's having that insight isn't it and i think 
like you say, every every situation is different, every family's different. Um but I think it's it's starting that conversation of saying, yeah, like you say, some of these situations I personally would say most of them, but some of them are really, really hard and really, really difficult situations for anyone, but particularly as you say, for children who are affected by something they have kind of no control over that comes at a time um when they are forming and i think you said this earlier when they're forming their identity they Mm -hmm. are kind of doing that based on their relationship with 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 the family unit that they have um i mean up until you're depending on how adventurous you are up until the age that you're sort of 15 16 um your whole life is family and school and that's it that is your world there's not much outside of that um and you're talking about kind of breaking up or removing one of those core um systems of of your identity is going to have a huge impact even two you know because if your parents get divorced and you move schools as Mm. we did i mean okay i was i was too young to but you know we then when i was uh but how would I? Uh, when I was 12, we then moved again, and we moved across the country. So, you know, having lost, lost mm. in, in quotation mark, having lost the family bedrock, I then lost the the kind of the the, the school and the friends bedrock. Mm. And and for me, I know that 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 again, I mean, it it kind of, I mean, this might sound a little bit dramatic but it kind of felt like a, a second divorce almost um because it was a huge break in my life mm. um and you know and it came when i was just starting to hit puberty um which is obviously always the worst time for anything to change in your life because everything's changing already anyway and you're, you can't make sense of anything so then for your outside world to change as much as your inside world is changing that just that created a whole Oh God, yeah, that that, <laughs> that created a whole lot of problems for me. I I did not react well to that, <laughs> which you know now I can laugh over and laugh about. But at the time, Jesus. But that's probably it's it's that idea, isn't it? That that it sort of sits there as a potential trigger in the future as well. Like even if you say, like say in the moment you cope with it or you don't cope with it, and then at what five six seven years later something else happens and it kind of resets off all of those things and some of those worries and concerns um it can be a really really difficult time so really interesting that kind of that's the um the topic that you've chosen to focus on with the film um have you got like for for people that are listening if they wanted to find out kind of more about the the film and the work that you're doing um ways to, to do that so, uh, so we have a a a, a, a Facebook page um, which is uh, Hunt, which is which is the name of of the film, which is H U N D, um, which means dog in in German, um, because there's a dog involved, um, which makes the whole thing more complex and complicated. And, uh, um, but yeah, so it's Hunt, uh, a short film on on Facebook, and that's kind of where all of our info is. Um, we ran a, a crowdfunding campaign in March of this year, um, so we managed to raise £14,000. Um, we're still slightly off target. We still need another uh, £4,500 to be able to shoot um, because, unfortunately, filmmaking is not cheap. Um, 
but you know we're getting there and it's and it's you know it's 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 part of the adventure of trying to figure out you know how because you've never got enough money in film you've never got enough money or you've never got enough time so you're always trying to figure out well how can i do it and what can we do and how can we swing it and you know you're always trying to find these little bits and pieces here and there that you, that you can then pull it all together um but uh you know i'm hoping um we were supposed to shoot last year or we were hoping to shoot last year um we all know what happened last year um so that's it's now kind of had a, a knock-on effect um so we're hoping that you know sometime uh mid-autumn this year we'll be able to shoot and then the film will be ready by by the end of the year um and then yeah and then you know i hope i hope people receive it well i hope I hope it's a good, going to be a good film, full stop, for starters. Um, you never know. <laughs> um, that's always kind of the uh, the risk you take. Um, film is film is an odd one in that in that it can be there's there's kind of there's three processes to it. Or well, you 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 write the story three times. They always say is because the first time you write it as a script. That's the first story. Then the second story is when you're on set and you're doing it with the actors then you're doing a whole different story again and then the third time is when you're in the edit and you're putting it all together and then that's where you're really telling the final story so um who knows you know by 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 that point it might have changed completely again (laughs) i mean you just never know um but it's you know it's it's fun yeah it's fun (laughs) i know sound like I had to persuade myself there. <laughs> I feel like you have, yeah, I mean, I guess because in my mind where it's such a kind of a personal project with that insight, um, yeah. you've got a lot invested in that. And then having the, obviously, like you say, the situation over the last year, year and a half that has probably delayed everything that you would have had planned makes it really difficult. So then you've got that added kind of investment of, well, now there's an extra year and a half invested in a project that kind of hadn't oh, originally yeah. been planned for. Um, so I think yes it has been interesting with a few other conversations as well where there have been kind of um, kind of film or theatre projects um, and just seeing kind of the delay and the impact and like working out can we change it in this way to do it sooner or do we have to wait longer and and do it another way so um, yeah I can um, I can only imagine the the difficulty that's come with kind of putting that together and some of the the thought processes and journeys that you've had to go through to do that and then you know obviously I was because in my as, as I said earlier for me this was like okay cool this is going to be the project that's going to take me to the next level of my career hopefully so now I'm like oh my god like I just want to advance obviously with my career I want to get on with my career I want to get to that next level and I'm like well I can't because I can't shoot this film I can't do that so it's you know it's doubly kind of and again that's that kind of turns into a whole mental health journey by itself where you yeah you can't you can't let negative thoughts creep in because what are the what what's it going to achieve you know that's kind of what I always try and tell myself when I know you know and when I know that I'm feeling negative or, or you know pulling myself down and I, I feel like you always kind of spiral it's very easy to spiral mm. um and I always try and tell myself look what you know 
what what's being negative going to achieve here? You know, it, it doesn't help in any way. So, you know, because negative thoughts bring on more negative thoughts, bring on more negative thoughts, and then that's going to, and neg negativity pushes people away. And, you know, then you push people away and then you feel more negative. And then, you, you know, and it's this awful, awful uh, uh, kind of catch 22 cycle. And, and, you know, that's, that's what unfortunately a lot of people with depression that's exactly what they go through and it's it's trying to break that cycle that's the hard part um but again you know you have to learn the tools and you have to be proactive in using those tools and in sharpening those tools um to make sure that you know you can break that cycle I think that yeah so important I don't really feel like I can add to that that's a yeah really good kind of summary there I think I'm I guess I'm hoping with our with our stars and wishes I'm hoping that um kind of with everything that this experience has, has been will mean that your whatever your next project is will be so much easier um oh and God, you'll, have, I hope so too. <laughs> you'll have had so much experience from this it'll have basically been too um but yeah, I, but I also hope that I also do. Sorry, I also do hope that if anything, it's going to make me cherish the final outcome even more. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, just a massive thank you, Max, for coming on for sharing sharing no, your insights you. and um, really hope we can we can kind of share the work that you're doing as well and get more people to go and have a look at the the facebook page and follow the the work that's going on um but yeah, yeah such an important topic and i think as you said at the beginning i think one that many people are affected by but we don't really kind of openly discuss so it's been really nice to kind of sit down and, and have a conversation and kind of share our insights as well yeah no thank you so much yeah i i i i'm you know hat off to you for doing that and providing that platform and to to getting people on to talk and and to and I think more importantly making people listen and hear and understand that this you know this is an important topic and and and, and hopefully find hope and 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 you know again tools you know finding tools um you know and, and yeah so thank you to thank thanks to you um so thank you for doing that These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. So I told everything and her face dropped. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can't appreciate Yeah, It's difficult dealing with our minds. And the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. And I think people realize how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. Not only did this help me to write it, mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it.